With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to our Les and Powers. This is Scott Powers of The Athletic with Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. Let me speak. It's, uh, I feel like there's so little time between, or so much time between the actual times they speak to people. So he's uh, getting those things right again. Mark, hello. Hello, Scott. What do you think? Seattle Kraken. What are you thinking about that? Yeah, it's different. Um, it was funny. We were talking about the rink today, and someone's like, "What? how are you going to shorten it? Like, it would be the Seattle crack, you know? Like, what? The cracks. The cracks. Um, I said maybe, like, the local drug outfit. Maybe you can give it some kind of sponsorship or something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, their, their building's going to be known as the crack house, right? I mean, it almost has to be. <laughs> I, I, I am not at any way a fan of singular names like Lightning and Wild and, you know, all the soccer ones. I can kind of let this one slide because it sounds like one of those words that's the same plural as singular, like like deer or something like that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about the name. I wanted something like the Sasquatches or something a little more, you know, this. I feel like everybody saw this one coming. But, man, I love the, the color scheme. The logo's great. Like, they really did a good job, just like the Golden Knights did. The Golden Knights name is awful. I don't like the Golden Knights name. There's a million great names you could have come up with for Vegas. Uh, But the logo is awesome. The color scheme's awesome. Like, that's – you could tell that these teams are really on bread. We've come a long way since the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I I agree with the the Vegas, too. Like, that one, just the name didn't click. The Kraken, I think – I think it'll grow on me. It's it's interesting. People generally like it. It's different. Yeah, I mean, the the mythical beasts and all that and – you know, I'm all, I'm I'm all right with it. I'm not I'm not in love with it, but I'm all right with it. Yeah, I'll definitely buy a hat. That's going to be a sweet hat. <laughs> um, yeah, they've done their job already. Then, um. <laughs> so uh, it's certainly better than Washington football team. At least it's a much better name than that. I think we can all agree on that. So um, let's talk about another team that we talked about their mascot and logo too many times recently. The Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Corey Crawford. We we kept you and I kept hearing. By the way, people on. have not been fair to us about how many times we've written about the logo. Oh, God, you wrote one story about it, and then Greenberg wrote one column, and every comment <laughs> is where evil social justice warriors, virtue signaling, and beta it's male nice, cucks. Nice and, about hockey again. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Come on. It was one story and one column. Come on, guys. Okay. Um, go, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I think you and I, you know, we both heard things that Corey Crawford was close to returning, that you know maybe he would have been back by Monday. He wasn't. Tuesday, he wasn't. Wednesday was an off day. Today's Thursday. Still wasn't there. Um, it's becoming increasingly clear that Corey Crawford is not going to be starting on game one. You think so? I think so. I mean, how? how I asked Jonathan Taves that today I, in, about that, and he said, well, you know, it is what it is. You can't complain about it. But then he said, you know, you know, I, I – of all the guys, it seems like Crawford's able to drop in there and just play. 
and play well, but that's not really been the case. Remember how much time he was practicing when he came back from the concussion a couple of years ago? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was – he didn't come back and he was on the ice the first day of training camp and he didn't play until like, the middle of October, which was earlier than we thought, but still over a month. Like, I don't see how – if he comes – even if he comes back to practice Friday morning, that's Friday and Saturday – Sunday they practiced in Edmonton. Then he got uh, another practice, a scrim, uh, an exhibition game against I'll the Blues. I'll say Monday they said. Okay, yeah. Then he got an exhibition game against the Blues. He got, what, four or five practices and an exhibition game? Are you going to be ready to play the Oilers? It just doesn't feel realistic to me. Yeah. No, you're right. I just I, – I feel like they're going to do everything they can that he's the goalie. You know, like if he's anywhere near able, it, it just – the options I, – Subban and Delia and Lincoln have all looked fine. It's just none of them – you know, Delia hasn't has only played the one batch of NHL games. Lincoln has never played the NHL. Subban, I mean, they, they had all the chance in the world to throw him in the game, and all he got was the one minute when Crawford was off the ice. Um, yeah, I, I, and it wasn't like he was lighting it up in Vegas. I, I just, yeah, I. It, it's unfortunate because I think the Blackhawks. This is a favorable. Not, not that they're better than the Oilers necessarily, but it, they have a chance, and 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 Goldie was part of the equation, and. And now, yeah, this certainly screws up the equation for the Hawks. It just it, it can it can go lopsided quickly if if those guys aren't able to perform or Crawford isn't ready or yeah, I, I guess a little bit of everything. But it, it's you know, I, I guess I haven't really looked at the calendar lately, realizing how close we are to actually playing games here. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I heard that Crawford was on the ice like one time in like June, basically. I mean, he hasn't been on the ice in months. And look, uh, Crawford at 70% and Rusty is probably better than Subban, Delia, and Lankinen. But is that a risk you're willing to take? I, I just I don't know how, how many days does Crawford need. If he gets in that exhibition game, is that sufficient? Because it takes time to get your, your your tracking down, your your timing. I mean, being a goalie, is it's it's hard enough for a skater to jump in. I think it's even harder for a goalie because timing and, and, and following the puck, that you need game action to kind of reacclimate yourself no matter how uh, uh, experienced you are. It just seems so far-fetched. Every day that passes, it seems more and more far-fetched that Corey Crawford's going to be able to play. Well, what's interesting is that they have to decide for the exhibition game who their goalie is because that's actually like that's going to be the tune-up, right? Like it can't yeah. be a, a still a deciding at that point. You need to decide who your goalie is and put them in that game because they need that game, you know, three full periods and and have a competitive atmosphere to to be ready for Edmonton. So if they decide that you know Crawford comes back this weekend and they want him to play that game, that that's they're going. They have to go with Crawford because then it's unfair for Delia or, or, or Subban or Lincoln, and who you know, like they need that experience too. So I, I'm curious too, just how much they kind of ratchet up here in the next week, where where, where we've seen, uh, you know, one period ex of you know scrimmages, and you, you and even now, like you know, I mentioned when we talked to Calden today, like they play 9:30 games. Uh, they're playing, you know, practicing at 11 a.m. And, and maybe they'll have some later practices in Edmonton, but that. Even like the time difference seems like it's. Uh, I mean, those are all elements to kind of put in the equation. But to have a goalie play, because uh, at least during the regular training camp, you have the exhibition games and you're playing goalies, you know, two or three periods, and they're consistently getting those reps before the first game. Um, and here you just have the one exhibition game, and then with the Blackhawks situation, you know, if, if whomever you decide with goalie leading up to that is that's. Yeah, that's your that's your decision, and it's it's gonna be hard to walk away from it and kind of replace that person leading up to the Edmonton game. I mean, the encouraging thing is Jonathan Taze was back on the ice, Connor Murphy, Calvin DeHaan, everyone's back. All the guys that were quote unquote unfit to play are are back. You have basically your entire team 
except for probably the most important guy, which is just, it's disheartening. I asked Taves today about that, and he's just, you know, I, I think everyone's just resigned to the fact now. You know, of course they have confidence in Subban and confidence in Delian Lankin. They're going to say that, but there's a comfort level and a confidence boost that comes with having Corey Crawford in net that these guys just aren't going to bring. Like Taves talked about how they'll have to be a little more focused defensively. And if you start thinking like that, that we've got to protect our goalie, you're not going to be as aggressive offensively. You're going to be playing someone else's game. You're not going to be playing your own game. Things aren't going to flow naturally, and it's going to cost you in the end. I don't, I don't, I don't see a good outcome if Corey Crawford's not the safety net back there. So no, I, no. What do, you, what do you think about the whole unfit thing? I asked Carlton about that the other day because, you know, Taves missed. Taves left a practice early and then missed uh, Tuesday's practice. And everyone was all up in arms because he's unfit to play. And, of course, everybody starts jumping to conclusions and everything like that. And Carlton kind of smirked about it. It is what it is. And Taves kind of grinned when we asked him today about, you know, well, why he missed time. He goes, I guess I was unfit to play. Uh, you know, I think I understand the rationale behind this, but I think – Considering only two players tested positive, and we've had dozens of guys unfit to play, all of them assumed to have COVID by every fan, I don't think this is working out the way they anticipated. No, I think they should give more liberty to the players to, to say what they have, or, or you know, like or allow them to say that. I think um, maybe it eliminates who who actually you know who doesn't have it, or, or it sort of leaves the suspicion of who has it. But I think they're doing a disservice in some ways because it does lead to all these. Um, you know, speculation and, and it's it's unfair, but it's also like you. I understand why they don't want to reveal it either, but I, I think it, you should allow the players at some level if they want to reveal why they're out or whatever. And I mean, Taves actually, you know, came around and said it was basically a maintenance day, but um, it, it has. I mean, what the positive for the NHL is there hasn't been many many cases, and then uh, the negative is that everyone assumes that the you know those two players are are the team you know players in your specific team, so it, it's worked both ways. Um, Mur- Murphy today was interesting. He he's you know he did some fitness stuff and he was out there for practice, but when they went to scrimmages, I don't think they think he's exactly ready yet for that. So um, I, I think they're going to kind of ramp him up probably here over the next few practices and get him in, get him into escapes. The Dahan was a full participant in the scrimmage and he looked pretty good. Um, so I, I there, there's there's some roster decisions ahead for Colton too, you know, or like you, uh, I think he's set with the forwards as good as you know Secura and, and Kurashev had looked. I don't think that he's going to move any of those forwards out unless someone gets injured or or, or comes down with the virus. Um, but the defense, I, I think there's still questions. You know, I, it's uh, you know Seabrick's been out there practicing still, and Murphy has to get up the speed, and uh, you know Debahan's still coming off those surgeries. Um, I, I would still assume that Dehan and Murphy are that second pairing, but um, I, I guess until they, they finally kind of next week, they'll have to make some some more difficult decisions on where the lineup stands. I think it's going to wind up just Keith Boquist, Murphy Dehan, or Dehan Murphy. Uh, and then Cuckoo Mod, I think, is going to be that third pairing just because they were playing so well coming out of it. You'd love to get Lucas Carlson in there. Um, I think he's just going to be kind of your number seven guy. And I, I don't think Seabrook's ready. The more Every time I look at him, he's just not there yet. It's admirable. It's, it's, it's inspirational that he's out there right now practicing. But he does not look like he's in game speed yet. Um, and I think, that, I think that's the way the team's like, like. If they need him, he's not going to say no. But ideally, they don't need him. And with Murphy and DeHaan back, I don't think they're going to need him. And I think that's probably the best case for everybody going forward. 
But let's 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 talk about Seabrick some more and your story. But let's first go to this ad, and then we'll uh, we'll come back. Grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right. The boys will be getting back out on the diamond this week. And while we may not be able to join them at the park, there's plenty of action to be had from the comfort of your home. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. You just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. So download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Sports are back. Thank God, there's only so many episodes of Love It or List It that I can watch on HGTV. For those of you that have been reading The Athletic throughout the pandemic, we love you, we appreciate you, and we hope you got a lot out of it. For those of you that haven't, now is the time to join. All the sports are coming back at the same time. You've got hockey, you've got baseball, you've got basketball, you've got football on the uh, horizon, college sports, the WNBA, soccer's back, UK soccer, we got everything you could want, the best coverage, in-depth uh, stories, breaking news, uh, expert analysis, you've got you know great feature writers like Mark Craig and, and fun stuff stuff from people like Sean McIndoo and uh, breaking news from Pierre Lebrun and Ken Rosenthal and Shams. I mean, we got everything you could possibly want. So subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, the storytelling that sets us at The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash Powers, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back. You don't want to miss this. Go to theathletic.com slash Powers for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. You wrote about Seabrook... Uh for this week and and you kind of talked about the possibilities with Dehan and Murphy. Um, do you think that and this at all can be a distraction where like Seabrook's not on the same page as what Carlton decides or, uh, you know, we, uh, unfortunately we haven't had a chance to talk to Seabrook yet. So it'd be kind of nice to know where his mind is, but if he, if he thinks he can play in the Blackhawks management, you know, the coaching staff doesn't think I, I don't. Yeah. I, I can see that being a negative, right? Well, when he first got scratched a couple of times by Jeremy Colleton, there was some friction in the locker room about that. Duncan Keith was pissed off about it. A couple of the guys were not happy about it. Even though, it, and if you looked at it objectively, it was the right decision. Uh, it, it, it does bother guys. I mean, people, you know, I've been harping on this for years, and fans always roll their eyes at it, and I get it. Uh, but he really does mean a lot to the guys in that room. He is the beating heart of that team. And whether he's playing well or not, everybody wants him out there. But I think Seabrook knows the situation. He's a smart guy. He understands his body. And I don't think he thinks he's one of the six best defensemen the Blackhawks have right now. I don't think that he's going to push that issue. I think he's going to approach it that, hey, if they need me to play, I'm going to gut it out and play. But we all know I could use this next four or five months here before the next season starts to really get myself uh, ready. Next year is going to be different. Because next year he's going to be fully healed, he's going to be 100%, and he's going to be sure that he's better than he was. And he's going to be coming for that spot. And if he's the number seven guy, if he's rotational, then there's going to be these problems. But I don't think that's going to be an issue this summer because of just, I mean, he just had his last hip surgery five months ago. It's amazing he's even out there, you know, doing wind sprints at the end of an hour and 15-minute practice. It's pretty amazing. But I don't think he is, you know, insisting that he's in the lineup. I think he's making himself available because that's the kind of teammate he is. I don't think it's yeah. going to be a big problem. Yeah. No, you're, you're possibly right. I, just, I guess just having no other history of 
that he hasn't dealt with these in the past. He's That's- such a flashpoint. I mean, it is like coach. You know, Jeremy Carlton. I think was was really you know afraid basically to scratch him in his first year because he knew it was the right decision, but he didn't want to disrupt that chemistry. He didn't want to piss off the leadership core when he was still trying to you know win them over. It's a little different now. He's asserted himself as the coach, but it's a it's a dicey thing. To well, I think Joel. Piss I think Joel Quinville too was 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 afraid to scratch him because you know yeah. that there's. Uh, eventually, I mean, yeah, there, there's then there's questions to be answered, and 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 just where Seabrook stands within the team and his role, and knowing how proud you know how, how proud he is that, um, and and ultimately, I, and I think you know again we'll get when we get a chance to talk to Seabrook, just it, it forced this last you know when he was scratched back in, uh, in what was it January now. December, December. That that it forced him to look in the mirror and kind of see where where he's at and, and address what he needed to. So, um, what uh, what what have been your takeaways from these scrimmages? What anything stand out to you? I think Dylan Secura might be able to match Connor McDavid point for point in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> uh, it, it's weird. Like you, you look at, I've been asking guys a lot about this. The young guys and and Secura. Let's be honest, he's twenty five. There's like seven guys on the actual roster that are younger than him. He's not really a young guy anymore. But it's the young guys that have been that have been noticeable. I mean, Kirby Doc. We've all been harping on how good he's looked. He's looked every single day. He's making an effortless, you know, just gash up the 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 neutral zone, just leaving guys in his wake and creating scoring chances. Uh, he's been terrific um but he's not the only one alex nylander you know who we've given a lot of grief on this podcast has looked really good he's 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 making smart plays out there he's got clearly has good chemistry with um kane and strome uh they're making things happen that line has been lighting it up so these you know first and second year guys have really maximized these four months off where they're you know you always talk about that that's the big step that first or second off season in the nhl and that's basically what these guys had it wasn't a normal off season but it was four months and you can see that Kirby Doc and Alex Nealon or some of these guys have maximized that time. They've gotten themselves because these, you know, when you're 20 years old and you're in the NHL, you're hitting the wall in March. You've never played in a season this long before. So to get four months to recuperate and then come back to get bigger and stronger, but also to rejuvenate yourself, uh, we're seeing that it's the young guys that are really standing out so far. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It'll, it'll be interesting. I, that Strom line has been easily the best line, and. They need those other lines to come along, you know. Like you need the production, you need to bring it and Kubalik to be producing, um, especially knowing that what the goaltender situation might be, and, and certainly Edmonton's firepower is that you need some of those. Uh, you're gonna probably need to score some goals to win this series, you know. And um, I, I thought the power play took some favorable steps toward, you know, toward that before the pause and uh, having Doc at the, as the net front guy and, and Keith seemed. Uh, to be more aggressive and sort of a little bit rejuvenate offensively in the power play. And I know even today they're putting some work into it and they got Taves on, on one wing and, and Kane on another. And it seems like they've been open, been able to, at least against their own you know competition, they've been able to open some seams up and playing a little bit faster where I, I think in the, in the past, the Blackhawks have just been so deliberate about it. And um, it's, they need to speed it up because it's often it's just Kane kind of dancing out there and, and looking for, looking for holes and, and if you can play with some speed and get some shots through and um and even Ivan to bring and and Boquist and you know and that second unit in Strom like I feel like it's a little bit more a little bit more balanced but even you know Kubelik had said today too that you know he was he was he was a little upset that the uh, the pause came at, at the time at the time it yeah. did because he was he was rolling but um it'll be interesting because I, I I think you know if if the Hawks are clicking they have some chance to score goals but I I think special teams um, especially PK against Oilers, are gonna, it's going to be such 
the key elements of the series. Yeah, I mean, the Oilers have one of the three or four best power plays in the history of the game. So they're going to score goals no matter how well the, the Hawks uh, kill penalties. So they're going to have to match them. And the Oilers have a great penalty kill, too. That's what's gotten them here is special teams. But the Hawks, if they can score a, a power play goal or two a game, that can perhaps offset what's being given up on the other end, especially if they've got one of these inexperienced goalies in. Special teams is really going to decide this series uh, uh, either way. So that you can, you can tell that Jeremy Carlton is well aware of that because they're working on it every single day, that the way the power play was was going most of the year they're going to get swept but if it starts yeah. moving a little bit and they start scoring this is still a winnable series it's a winnable series if they can you know match what the Oilers power play is doing then you know all bets are off in a short series I, I thought your piece on the broadcast was really interesting you know I, I'd heard you know little things but you know for you to, to get some details and just how they're going to be doing it off the monitors and, and even having you know uh, Edzo in a different place where you know than uh, than Pat Foley and um, what it sounds like it's just going to be a different world for those guys. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's it was John Weidman was really interesting because it's like if you're Eddie Olchek, you're watching everything, but you're also like you're the replay guy, so you're like you're you're not even paying attention to what Doc or Foley are saying because you're you're pulling up replays while game action is still going on. But John Weidman, he's a radio play by play guy. If you ever listen to him, he is a tape to tape broadcaster. Every single pass, every single move that happens out there, he's got a name and he's saying what happened. He just it's a breathless commentary the entire time. It's not like baseball where you sit back and tell a story and miss 11 pitches. You know, so for Wideman, he's not going to be able to do that because he's not going to have the whole ice in front of him where he can tell which player is which. On TV, guys are going to be obscured. Their jerseys are going to be turned. You're not going to be able to see their numbers. So he's going to have to be deal with more generalities. I think his job is probably the most difficult. I mean, it's going to be weird for... Doc and Eddie or Pat and Eddie not to have the chemistry of going back and forth, but they, they've all worked together for so long that they'll make it work. Like Doc saying, you know, uh, or Eddie saying he could just like text Doc, like, hey, I want to jump in here. But for, it's going to be a real challenge for the radio play-by-play guys to be calling action uh, when, as John put it, the, 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 the listener is starving for information because they have none of it. They're completely dependent on you. So you can't let the action do the talking. So to be able to do that while broadcasting on TV, if you ever were a kid and turned down the volume of the TV and tried to broadcast it, it's really hard to do because you don't know everybody and you can't see everybody. So it's going to be, there's going to be mistakes. As I think as uh, Eddie put it, we're playing five card stud with two cards. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds funny. And <laughs> it's, I, I just think that it's going to be a real challenge for the play-by-play guys in particular. It, it was funny how uh, John Whiteman had such like, deep thoughts and obviously put some thought into it. And then you asked Troy Murray. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, we've never done it. We'll see. <laughs> well, I'll let you know when I'm done. That's Troy for you. He's, you know, he's just, he's just along for the ride sometimes. That's what makes him one of the best color men in the business. <laughs> um, yeah. Even as a, as a journalist and, and, you know, covering these games, I was, uh, the nine thirty starts are, are a little bit easier where I can kind of just isolate myself in the, yeah, the kids are asleep. And, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was talking to my wife about, you know, next Saturday, I sort of, you know, I, I, I need probably the full day to myself. And, and I, I we were talking about maybe me just going to the hotel for the day, you know, like it just, it's the, I, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't even know. You know, we're, we're so used to tweeting these games from, from being there and being able to see and you get the atmosphere and, um, well, yeah, yeah I mean, I one of the know. rules is because, you know, when we're, when I'm at a game and I see a beat writer, tweeting who's not there like live tweeting about oh, so-and-so took a hooking penalty they're off to the yeah. box like i want to reach through the internet and strangle them it's like no you don't you don't live tweet unless you're here yeah. but none of us is going to be there I, i'm pretty sure that there'll be no chicago reporters in edmonton uh just just on the fact that everyone's still here 
and that we're less than 14 days away from the, the drop of the puck. And it's a 14-day quarantine. I, I know like uh, Sarah uh, McClellan from the uh, Minneapolis mm-hmm. Star Tribune, she's already quarantining. I know that uh, my friend Dan Kingersky, who works in Pittsburgh, he's already quarantining in Toronto. Uh, if you're not there, you're not there. So I don't think there's going to be a single Chicago-based reporter actually at these games. So do the rules change? Because, you know, I hate writing from the couch. I, 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 I think it's a terrible precedent to set, but we're all writing from the couch here. So it's going to be really interesting to, to, to try to figure out how to cover these games when our access isn't that much different than the average fan watching on TV. I feel like I'm slightly prepared from when, when the Blackhawks won in credentials when he started the athletics. So I, <laughs> I was trying to, you know, like it was trying to compete while being at home and watching games. Um, so it'll maybe bring me back to that a little bit. Where, I remember uh, the first time uh, when like, like when, uh, when I came here and all of a sudden we were splitting up the travel and I wasn't at every single road game, just watching a bla- watching them on TV with white jerseys threw me off. Like, it just didn't look right because I'm always at every game where they're wearing white jerseys. And it was the same thing. It's like, ooh, I have a, I have a, a snarky comment I want to make. Well, I'm not at the game. So, like, I started limiting myself. Like, I can make, like, two comments per game. But I'm not going to live tweet the game because I'm, I'm not the one covering it. I'm not there. My It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's a strange thing. Then my dynamic. lack of tweeting probably frustrates you, too, because I probably don't take advantage of being there. You you and I are very different in a lot of ways, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> We're the yin and the yang of hockey writing. We get along at least. So that's a- we do. It works out beautifully. It's like, you know, we're never stepping on each other's toes. Well, at least publicly, publicly we get along. We pretend to get along. Yeah, you don't want to know what's happening behind the scenes. That Slack channel we have is nasty. <laughs> After we get off right. this podcast, I'm just going to motherfuck you, you know? <laughs> I'm just going to make fun of I'm just going to make fun of indie bands the whole time. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to wrap it up here. Um, you know, there's a million great podcasts on the uh, the Athletic Podcast Network. You could spend all day just listening to good stuff. I love Craig Custance's, and not just because he's my boss, but the the full sixty with him. He's got uh, uh, NHL executive Rick Dudley on. It's always a good listen. Is always I always learn something when I the listen full to sixty. Did you, know, did you know that was uh, the name uh, was actually given to him by Brian Hedger? No kidding. Yeah, Hedger suggested. Uh, he's like, oh, I got a great one because we had talked about it before, but we never actually won sixty minutes. So we were like, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a tough commitment to go. Like, okay, we're going to do yeah, exact, yeah, exactly he, uh, 60 minutes every time. Hedge suggested it and Custance ran with it. Hedger's uh, athletic. He's an athletic legacy. He, he used to write for you guys. Yeah. Well, you guys, like us, right? He used to write well, for us. Well, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't there yet. <laughs> when I, I, I was still a we at the Sun Times at that point. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I, Custance's podcast is great. Myrtles and, you know, I, most of the day. I don't get to listen to everyone's because we have so many damn podcasts. But, Russo, uh, Russo does need the help. Don't listen to Russo's. <laughs> don't listen to Russo's. <laughs> no, listen to Russo's. Russo's is great. Straight from the source. And uh, he gets he gets guests that, like you know, just players that you wouldn't expect to come on some rinky-dink podcast. He, he manages to get them because he's Mike Russo. So always give him a listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, so anyways, yeah, please check out uh, our assortment of podcasts. Um, and we'll uh, we'll continue to I guess we'll continue to do these podcasts uh, throughout the playoffs. Maybe maybe we, I, I guess we probably need to ask for clearance, but maybe we can do them even more often after games or as we're sitting at home looking for things to do. Emergency pods this. after games, I think that's a good idea. I think we should definitely yeah. do that. Okay, we'll uh, we'll discuss and move it forward. Uh, until then, we will be back. Uh, yeah, we won't even be with the team anymore after uh, after Sunday. So uh, we'll have a podcast for you again next week. And this is Scott Powers from Mark Lazarus. We are Laz and Powers. Take care. See ya. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?